I'd like to read to you a vision statement uh, for the 20s for our church. So this is, uh, this is what I call a dream that's in Danielle and I's heart. It's been about 18 months, particularly being birthed. It's, most of these phrases have been written on my study and come out of prayer and come out of Genesis 35, 11, a scripture that God's given us for the new era of our church. And on the 1st of January, I wrote this down. I felt God prompt me to write, what's the dream? Uh, what's, what do we see for the 20s? So, so I told everyone this morning, and I know some of you are back here, but if you want to get in touch with your uh, inner African-American gospel church, now is the moment. Mm-hmm. Okay, just if you want to, just, on, just what I'm saying. <laughs> there it is. All right, here we go. I see our church in a season of revival, a powerful move of God with radical salvations, healings, and young people being apprehended for the call of God. I see extraordinary momentum with a thousand people being saved in a year and increasing until one day we see a thousand people saved across weekend. (laughs) I see us being a leadership factory, training, raising up and empowering leaders who are brilliant disciple makers. There is a multiplication of leaders of all ages who are gripped by a strong and unshakable call of God, which causes them to lay down their lives for the gospel. (laughs) You're going to make this hard. I see us established in our new premises on Power Road. It is a landmark facility. This will be a demonstration of God's power, a result of a series of miracles that echoes around the nations. The Lord will be glorified for doing exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. I see new church locations, starting with Melbourne in 2020. I'm believing for five new church plants over the course of the decade. I see these locations supernaturally in their own buildings because we first broke through on the Sunshine Coast. I see our church filled with influencers and entrepreneurs, innovative, cutting-edge marketplace leaders who excel in every sphere of society, government, media, sport, entertainment, education, business, and more. Entrepreneurs who set the standard for business excellence, leadership, and wealth creations. You guys are on fire tonight. I see our church consistently experiencing powerful healings. There is a breakthrough anointing on this house. People get healed in their seats during worship and watching online. People are flying in to be in our services because they've heard miracles are happening at C3 Powerhouse. And I see us being known for kindness in our community. Our reputation is for generosity, compassion, and practical help for those who are in need. I see us a haven of love, hope, and acceptance for all, radiating God's love into our community and beyond. And if you agree with me, why don't you stand on your feet and shout his praise. Jesus, it's your church. It's your decade. It's your spirit. And we say yes. 
We say yes. We say yes. In Jesus' name. Wow. You can be seated. You went there. Wow. Come on. Wow. Okay. So it's week three in our series called Breaking Intimidation. And it's time for you to break intimidation so that you can step into everything that God's called you for. So that you can break the shackles of the voices and restrictions on the outside, on the inside that stop you being everything that God has called you and me and us to be. So quick little recap of what intimidation is. It's a demonic spirit. And I'm going to talk about that tonight. And strategy. That robs us. We've got it going to come up behind me. Of godly confidence. You are created to be confident in who God made you to be. You are created to walk around as if you own the atmosphere everywhere you go. Not apologetic, not, not, not tail between your legs, not wondering whether God likes you or somebody else likes you, but God confidence. It's going to take me a long time to preach this. And stops entering into, uh, it stops us entering into God's best for our life. It's based on lies that we believe about God and about ourselves and about others. The lies cause us to shrink back or disqualify ourselves when God actually wants to bring us into a new season of blessing or increased influence. I see people trying to step into your future, but you've got this like this rubber band from your past and you're trying to step in, and you, but you just keep sort of going back and wondering why, what's going on. It's a spirit of intimidation and we're going to get set free of that tonight, but over a six month period. You go to start something new, you go to step out, you know God's on it, it's been prophesied uh, in the lights and on the mountain, you're confident that God's on this, but then you get past the mountain and into the valley and you begin to take some steps and the voices on the inside and in your head get louder and louder and start saying, who do you think you are? Why do you think this could happen for you? Someone else is going to be better at that. That's the lies and the voice of intimidation that God wants to set us free from. And we're recognizing those lies. And so we talked the first step about recognizing the lies that we've come to believe and beginning with the first step to repent for actually agreeing with the lies. Not just blaming somebody else, but taking just repent. I've, I spent last year uh, and a, a, a good portion of last year repenting for believing the lie that I'm inferior to others who are more successful than me. Even just saying it, Lord, I repent of the lie that broke something every time I said it. I would repent. Then I would repent of, of actions that I would do because of the lie that I believed. I've been critical of successful people. Uh, not, not, not out there, just in here. And comparing myself in here, and so I'd repent of that. And, I don't, and I'll get to that later. I don't believe there's a demon of criticism. That was just my own issue because of that spirit of intimidation facing. And so we're talking about a six-month journey. Uh, I can tell you with authority that if you go on this journey on a daily basis, spend about five minutes a day, you will be unrecognizable in six months' time. Now, I want it for you so bad. I want you to go there so bad, but I can't make you do it. You've got to encourage yourself to go there, get in a small group of people who will keep you accountable and go there. So four steps. The first one is to repent. The second one is, to, is the, re, the journey of forgiveness, releasing people. 
Usually the lies that we believe about ourselves and God and others have been embedded in our heart in deep wounds. And so we can't get the lie out unless we can deal with the wound. And the wound needs the antiseptic of the Holy Spirit and courage on our behalf to go on a journey of releasing people and getting the pain and the anger out. That's last week's message. I'm not going to preach it again. Listen to last week's message. You know you're free when you can imagine that person, you can smile and pray blessing on them. I had an experience just this, this week, and I'm praying for someone that I'm forgiving, not in this church. I'm praying that I'm for someone that I'm forgiving and I'm releasing. And I saw uh, a picture of them on social media, and it triggered something in me, and I just immediately had to go, that's right, I need to keep, I've got to keep working on this until I can see them and smile and want the best for them. Then I know I'm free. And I've forgiven them. That's the, that's the test that I'm on the other side. And I tell you, it might seem impossible, but the Holy Spirit, He'll help you with that. And so tonight, and I call this day, this morning and tonight, Eviction Day. We're going to evict some things tonight. I'm going to talk a little bit about demons or evil spirits. Uh, it's important that we understand uh, demons and evil spirits, what they are, how they work, how I identify them, how I get rid of them. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but evil spirits are something that Jesus dealt with wherever he went. Just because we live in a sophisticated Western world doesn't mean there's no demons. They just tend to hide and, and, not, and want you to believe that they're not real, but they are real. Uh, and so the, the, these evil spirits hate you and they hate me. Jesus said that the devil, the thief, John 10, 10, the thief doesn't come to accept to steal, to kill and destroy. That's his job description. Steal, kill, destroy. Rip you off. He hates God and he hates you and me because we're made in the image of God. He hates us worshiping God and he'll do everything he can to rip us off. Okay, that's, that's what his assignment is. Jesus, on the other hand, came that you might have life and then you might have it in abundance, that you would carry in your heart a spirit of joy and love and peace, that you'd be free. That's, that's why Jesus came. It's a clash of kingdoms. One dresses up in, in light to make you think that you're on a freedom journey, living a fun life, but it actually ends up in chains and entraps you. That's what sin does. That's what the devil does. But Jesus came. So demons, this is what they do. They can possess people. They can control people. They can energize us towards sin and we can't seem to break free from certain destructive patterns. They can oppress us, torment us, they can harass us. I told a story this morning, I'm going to tell it again tonight, I've had numerous encounters with demonic spirits, usually when uh, on something powerful is about to happen in my life, quite often I'll have a dream uh, and it'll be like a demonic visitation. And I remember the day after my father passed away, about 10 or well, maybe 15 years ago, uh, my wife Danielle and I and our little baby daughter were sleeping in the house where he'd been. And in the middle of the night, I woke up in a vivid, haunting dream that I was on a, in a car on a highway and the car suddenly went flying off the road into nowhere. And as I was falling, I woke up with fear gripping my heart in this dark presence. And it's just like the room was filled with a dark presence. And many of you may have experienced that either vividly in, in night terrors or nightmares, or maybe you've walked into a place, uh, you, maybe you've been involved with the occult or different things, and, and you've experienced that terror. And just when I, that happened, uh, Gemma, our daughter, who must have been a couple of years old, she, she woke up and as if she was having an asthma attack. 
And she's like, <gasps> and, and which she doesn't have asthma. She's never had it. We're like, what's going on? What is she having a heart attack? What's going on? It was just fear and, and torment filled the room. And, and we're like, do we call the ambulance? And, and in that moment, we just began, I, I just realized that, that this is not natural, that something's in this room that shouldn't be here. I began to pray in tongues, began to pray in the spirit, build up. And then just in the name of Jesus, do what I'm going to teach us to do tonight and what we're going to do. And just evicted that spirit from the room. And we went from torment, fear, darkness, and physical torment to oh, just, just like that. Some of you might go, hey, when I real, and what I realized was, was it was a tormenting spirit that had been tormenting my father in his dying days. And so once he died, and once a person's gone, a, a spirit's attached to living things. So once he's gone, it starts roaming around. Who can it attach to? And it tried to attach to us, but we came against it and shifted. And sometimes if, if you've ever, if you're like, my mom had this, my dad had this, and when they died, I got this, then more than likely that's not just your genetics, that's a spiritual familiar spirit generationally that's come to you. The good news with that kind of thing is you can be free of it like that because it's a spirit. That's going to happen for some people tonight. Might have experienced haunted houses. Uh, you've seen news of murder, rape, uh, greed, terrible things. And they're only because so, so often people's sin has allowed a demon to get a hold of them, but they're doing things that are just unnatural. And then later on, they can't imagine, why did I do that? Because it was a spirit that got on them. The good news is Jesus says that for this reason he came to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy that torment, to destroy that sickness, to destroy that pain. He came to declare judgment. The judgment wasn't on you and I, the judgment was on the enemy and all his works. The Bible says, Acts 10.38, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. He had followers uh, one called Mary Magdalene, who he'd cast out seven demons. And then she began to follow him around. And so obviously they counted. I don't know, it's, everyone had gone out, but they knew because it was seven. It wasn't just she had a moment. She got set free from seven different demons that all have a different assignment in her life. We don't know what happened or what. So, so what, what, what you and I have got to understand that dealing with demons is the normal part of Christian life. It's, it's, not, it's not because you're, you're bad or, or it's just normal. If you're, if you're a Christian, the enemy hates you and he wants to take you out. He wants to discourage you. He wants to distract you. He wants to pull you back into your old lifestyle. He wants to take you out of church. He wants to take you out of godly friendships because your destiny is connected to being planted in the house of God and be connected to people. So he wants to take you out. And then if you're going to make a difference for God, if you're going to take some territory, then every bit of territory is going to require some eviction. Go, ah, go, ah, go, ah, go, ah. Every bit of ground we, we walk with with Jesus. That's what happens. But you know what? You're, you're built for it. It's in your DNA. When you became a Christian, you got the Spirit of God. You got Jesus on the inside. Greater is He who's in you than he who's in the world. It's not something to be fearful of. not something to be ignorant of. Just something to be aware of. All right, so they get access into our life through sin, through generational things, through trauma, through words spoken. 
people we spend time with, if they're carrying passengers, I like to call them, if they're carrying passengers, sometimes passengers can jump onto us. Atmospheres we go into carry a, a demonic spirit and, and can easily, I, there's numerous times I can tell you for Danielle and I where we've gone, we've gone and hung at a person's place and as they've told us, it's like, oh man, that, um, I remember one particular lady had a car accident and she was experiencing torment and fear and migraines and by the next day we were not tuned to how this can transition to us. The next day we're having the same symptoms. We had to pray together to break it off because this is just, this is how it works. You've got to be careful what you watch and what you listen to. Your eyes are the window of your soul. Often the soul is the area that the demonic comes and attaches to in your life. So what, what you're watching is opening up. It's like that, that little TV or that little phone it, it, or that thing you're listening to, it's kind of like a transmitter that spiritual things are going to come in and out on. Yeah, I know, we just got really practical and real then. It's, you wonder why you're having trouble with violent thoughts. What are you watching? Wonder why you're having trouble with lustful thoughts. What are you watching? Wonder why you're having trouble with, with, with all that stuff. You get it. Close the door. Particularly, uh, spirits come in through our sin. Unforgiveness and repentance. Uh, unforgiveness and sin open the door for the enemy to attach to us. And the Bible says, don't give the devil a foothold. Another, another verse says, don't give him a landing place. Imagine the devil like a, uh, somewhere in the Bible, it calls him the Lord of the flies. Like this, uh, imagine him like these stinky things that want to get on and harass you. And sin gives him a rightful landing place. Okay. So the way to deal with him is get rid of the sin and then to cast him off you. And you have got authority to that. That's why we spent the first two weeks of this, this series on repentance and forgiveness. Because those things, are, someone once told me, if you've got rats in the basement and you go and evict the rats and they're hanging around garbage, but you don't get rid of the garbage, the problem is the rats will come back because the garbage is still there. Unforgiveness is getting rid of the garbage. Repentance is getting rid of the garbage. Okay, that's, so that, that's, that's where we're up to. Uh, we have a, call, a, a day called Encounter Day. It's coming up in March. I highly encourage everybody to go at least once, maybe numerous times, to unpack the layers of things that attach to our life. So the spirit of intimidation, Paul writes to Timothy, I, I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. God has given you a spirit of fear and timidity of power, love, and self-discipline. Timothy's a, little, a young leader in a massive church, feeling very intimidated, but thinking that maybe my intimidation is actually God's way of keeping me humble. And he's confusing his sincerity and back-footedness with a spiritual quality. And that's usually what the spirit of intimidation does to you and I. It makes us question ourselves. It makes us think, oh, but, but that would be too bold or too putting myself forward or too confident. And so Paul writes, he says, that thing is not from God. That's from the devil. God has given you a spirit of fear and timidity and he gives the answer to it. Uh, love, the love of our Father pouring into us. Power, that's what evicts these things, and a sound mind, and that's what we're going to talk about next week, about renewing our mind or self-discipline, all right? So I'd like to help us. The main spirit we're going after is intimidation, control. It tries to control our life, but often there are, it has friends. 
cousins, cousins. They're not New Zealanders though, just to be careful, Teresa. And so I just did up a little chart to help some people. And so I'm going to get this put up here. Because the way that you identify the spirits that are coming into your life is usually by the fruit that's happening in your life. The prevailing thoughts, the prevailing, um, the kind of dominant thoughts, the dominant feelings that are ripping you off. You don't need to name them exactly, but your awareness of the, the fruit, dominating thoughts and feelings, will give an indication of what the spirit is underneath it. Okay, so for example, if you struggle a lot with guilt and unworthiness, it could be that there's a demon of condemnation or a religious spirit, especially if you grew up in a religious environment and you just never seem to get free from feeling guilty, that could well be a religious spirit or a spirit of condemnation. Take a photo if you want to, you might want to pray about these later. Uh, if you have this feeling of I don't belong or I'm unloved, could be a spirit of rejection, a spirit of self-pity. Often what happens in that situation, if you've got self-pity, you, you're in up feeling like I'm isolated, I don't belong, I'm rejected, that's the way everybody sees me. I start to feel sorry for myself and then I do stuff to feel better about myself and actually I comfort myself in something that's sinful and it perpetuates a whole problem. And it can start with a spirit of rejection or self-pity. Worry and anxiety can be a spirit of fear. That's what Paul's talking about. Or tormenting spirits. Depression or being overwhelmed can, can be a spirit of heaviness or a tormenting spirit. Continuous sickness or not healing naturally can be a spirit of infirmity or affliction. Just to be clear, it's infirmity, not affirmity. Affirmity would be affirmation. It's infirmity. Okay, okay. I struggle to prosper or to break through financially. That could be because I've got a religious spirit telling me God doesn't want me to prosper. The doctrine of demons, Paul says when he writes to Timothy, that's what that is. That's a doctrine. It's a re- seems sincere and good, but it's a doctrine of demons. It's a religious spirit, or it could be a spirit of poverty, often generationally passed down from person to person. No one in our family's been able to break through. That could be a poverty spirit. Uh, I could be anxious about money or obsessed with possessions. That could be a a spirit of fear, anxiety, or mammon, or greed is another good word for that. Maybe relationship issues and continuity, and that could be a divisive spirit or a spirit of contention that's just coming in and trying to rip me off all the time, Uh, or sexually impure thoughts and actions could be a a, a lust or an unclean spirit. All right, just, we put those up, but are we helping anybody? Is anybody going bing, bing, bing? All right, okay, I, I can see people, that's good. So we're going to shift some of these things tonight. What what I want us to know is, um, yeah, cool, we've moved on. What I want us to know is that not every problem you and I have is a demon, okay? Uh, just, Just so we don't be that crazy crew. But at the same time, we're not ignorant that the devil's real and we've got to deal with him. Um, just because I sin doesn't mean I'm demonized. It means I'm a human being. And so therefore, the way I deal with sin is, is not by casting out a demon from my sin. I repent of my sin. That's how I deal with my sin. If I'm tempted to sin, I don't need to cast out a demon of myself. I can just go to the cross and say, Jesus, help me. Holy Spirit, help me resist temptation. I can ask for the help of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of God. But if I just cannot seem to get free, If it seems to be prevailing and dominating my thoughts and feelings and I seem to be stuck, then 
we have to be open to the possibility that it's energized by a demonic spirit that has become a passenger in my life because of the wounds and lies in my heart or my ignorance, and now I can resist that thing and shift it off me. That's what we're going to do in a moment. We're going to do this together, and then we're going to move into praying for some different people. The way you get rid of them, James 4 verse 7 says, therefore submit to God. That's what we're doing when we repent and when we, and we forgive people. I'm submitting to God. You're the Lord. Resist the devil, and he will flee. He has to flee when you're a Christian. Uh, this morning, I, I likened this, um, the, the attitude you've got to have in this moment is like if you came along and a little kid was getting attacked by a dog. Because that's a really good description of dirty dogs just attacking a little kid. That's a really good description of what a demon's like attacking you and your thoughts or you physically or your emotions or whatever it might be. And, and you wouldn't go along and go, oh, little dog, go away. You'd fire up. You'd get a righteous anger. You'd go, let's protect this kid. Get off here. Get, you know, you just do all those things. You'd be overwhelmed with a boldness because adrenaline, something would kick in. And that's the kind of, the Bible says, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violence take it by force. I love it. When Jesus called his disciples and said he gave him authority to drive out impure spirits. So you and I, I, I call it the baseball bat sort of zone. It's just like if an intruder came into my house, I wouldn't be like, yep, have what you want. There's my kids. There's my stuff. There's I'd be like, what the heck? That's what I'd be like. There's intruders trying to get into your world. You and I need to fire up to stop them getting into our world. Take authority over your life and my life. And so, so this, is what, this is what we do each day. This is your six-month homework. We repent, we release people of forgiveness, and then we resist the devil. We rebuke, we're gonna, something's going to shift tonight, and we're going to hold the ground because he will try and come back, but we're going to resist. When you've had something that's been so familiar and around your life for such a period of time, you, he won't just go, he will try and come back. You will enter into some spiritual warfare. Okay, so I've got two sample prayers here that you might want to uh, take a shot of that we're going to use here in a moment. So if we can put those sample prayers up. The first one is the main thing we're going after, the spirit of intimidation. These are not magic words. This is just a, a sample and the vibe of how to go about this. I come against the spirit of intimidation and control in the name of Jesus. That's the authority you have. I resist you off my life. Go in Jesus' name. All right, that's the first one. The second one, in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of. Now, you might be like, okay, there's a few things that have been dominating me that I'm going to come against. I bind the spirit of lust, all right? They're coming against me. I bind the spirit of rejection coming against me. You have no authority or right in my life. I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and I command you to go in Jesus' name. So my prayer life, I'm in a little closet, a little office. I go in, I pray, I worship, I'm encountering God. Five minutes, I, I, Lord, I repent of this. I release this person from judgment. I come against the spirit of intimidation and control in the name of Jesus. Go off my life in Jesus' name. I come against rejection and I command you, go off my life in Jesus' name. I turn my back and I move on. You don't have to spend hours. You're just, get off. I resist you. Sometimes 
This kind does not come out through prayer and fasting. Jesus says, sometimes you hit something that's stubborn and strong and you have to pray and fast. That's why next week we're starting this fast for seven days. It'll finish on the Sunday night and there can be a party and we can break the fast with some food on the Sunday night. I reckon it's a good way to go. That's what we do. So I want you to stand up together right now. And together, and we can, we can take this off. Thank you, guys. Together, we're going to resist and kick out the spirit of intimidation. That's what this whole thing's been about. That lying voice, you're going to feel lighter. So we'll put that one up. I come against the, that, the spirit of intimidation. We'll put that one up. And I will read it out to you. And then you, I want you to say it with that kick that dog out of your life kind of vibe, all right? Uh, first of all, just pray in the Spirit. We're going to pray in the Spirit just for a moment. I'm going to cross over to that mic. Thank you, Jesus. You do this to build up your spirit, man, so that you can have authority. All right, are you ready? I'm going to say the words I want you to say after me. Something's going to shift off your life. I want you to see it right now. The, the key for me is so often is imagining and seeing in the spirit something that's real. This is not hocus pocus. It's a demonic thing and you're coming up against it. So see it with your mind's eye. Say this, I come against the spirit of intimidation and control in the name of Jesus. I resist you off my life. Go in Jesus' name. Awesome. Next one, next, next page. I want you to pick something that, that's been harassing you. you. You saw it up here. You're like, you saw like, and it jumped out at you like, oh, that's me. This is what's the heaviness or torment, whatever, infirmity, whatever it might be. And, and you, you insert that word in the name of Jesus. I bind the spirit of whatever it is coming against me. You have no authority or right in my life. I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And I command you to go in Jesus' name. Come on, give him some praise.